Jesus House in Pursuit of God Discovering Purpose Maximizing Potential Impacting Lives This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London God bless you Father we ask in the name of Jesus that as we come before you tonight as you, O oh Lord, take absolute control and you guide us through your word, we commit tonight into your hands. We ask, O oh Lord, that in everything we do and say, that your Holy Spirit takes absolute control. We thank you for all that you have done, and we thank you for all that you will do. Eternal Rock of Ages, we give you thanks, praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And ladies and gentlemen, tonight, what we're going to do tonight is we're starting a new topic, and it follows on from what we've already been speaking about. Um, last week, we wrapped up the name of Jesus, and I pray that it was a blessing to you. And so tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be speaking about the person of the Holy Spirit. I'm sure that it will feed into what you've learned thus far. And hopefully it will honestly bless your prayer life. And so, ladies and gentlemen, as we begin, it's just it's we're coming up to 713. And so we're going to begin. So we'll actually we'll start in the next few seconds and we'll just take our declaration um, that we take at 714 and then we will go on from there. And so it's literally just coming up to 714 and we'll go from there and then we will dive into our scripture for tonight. Um, so let we'll take that. It's 7.30. We're just going to pause for a moment and we'll allow that moment to set us off as we take our declaration. So let's take our declarations together, ladies and gentlemen. Oh Lord, we are your people called by your name. We humble ourselves and we pray. We turn from our wicked ways. Hear from heaven, Lord. Forgive our sins and heal our land. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's make the declaration together. We declare that our land is healed in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so, ladies and gentlemen, as we begin Wherever you are, we honestly pray that your land is healed and God will be kind to you there. And so, ladies and gentlemen, as we begin tonight, speaking about the person of the Holy Spirit, we're going to start and we're going to start with a question. And that will take us into our first scripture. And the first thing that we're going to um, look at tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? And we're going to go through the Bible and see what. Please turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 1. Um, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1. And we're going to start at verse 1. And I'm going to be reading from the King James Version of the Bible. The Bible says the following. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. The Bible then says, and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. 
And so, ladies and gentlemen, what we realize is the first thing we understand about the Holy Spirit at the very beginning of the Bible, he's introduced to us. We realize that he is introduced. So God the Father is introduced as the one who is the creator. God the Holy Spirit is introduced. And then God the Word is introduced. So when we ask who is the Holy Spirit, we realize let's find out what the Bible says about him. And the first thing we realize, ladies and gentlemen, is the Holy Spirit is God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they are one. Please turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5, and we're going to read from verse 7. 1 John 5, and I'm going to read from verse 7, which backs up what we just said. And the Bible says there, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what we realize is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one. So when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit, just a very clean-cut definition is that he is God. He is God. He's as much. So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, to give you, so let's see. So everything that God is, the Holy Spirit is. But let's see whether, let's have a look at a few other scriptures about that. And then we will make a few statements from there. So let's see what Jesus says um, about the Holy Spirit. And so please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And I'm going to read from verse 6 and this is this is I'll, I'll read from 1 to 6 John 14 verses 1 to 6 for clarity and the Bible says the following let not your heart be troubled this is Jesus speaking let not your heart be troubled you believe in God believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Verse 5, Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? Jesus then makes a definitive statement. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So we realize, ladies and gentlemen, that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. But just for clarity, I'm going to take you to John chapter 1, verse 1, and we'll come back to John 14. So come with me, please, to John chapter 1, Verse 1, so we, John chapter 1, verse 1, let me get that. Let's do that. And the Bible says the following. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, all things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. 
The Bible says in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Speaking about the word of God that became flesh, who we know as Jesus Christ. Come with me, please, ladies and gentlemen, to verse 14. That's John 1, verse 14. John 1, verse 14 says the following. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we realized God the Father and God the Word, who is Jesus Christ, are one person. So we realized God the Father and God the Word are one. So ladies and gentlemen, please now turn back with me to John chapter 14, and we will start, turn back to John chapter 14, and we're going to read. Now, Jesus is now speaking about the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to read from verse 15. John 14, verse 15. And this, because I don't want to make a statement that you can't hold on to. So that's why we're going through this. So we've realized God the Father and God the Word are one. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 14 says that the word became flesh, and the word was full of two things, grace and truth. So we know that that is one with the Father. Now listen to what Jesus says. Jesus has just said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but, but by me. That's clear. So now we're going to verse 15. Verse 15 of John 14 says the following. If you love me, keep my commandments, Jesus speaking. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Verse 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Verse 18 is where we will stop. The Bible says, I will not leave you comfortless. This is Jesus speaking. And then he says, I will come to you. So we realize the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Jesus is full of grace and truth. He is the way, truth, and the life. We realize God and his word are one. So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one. Truth flows through all of them, just as one example. But this is what I want. I wanted to say that to say this. To give you an example, just to explain this a bit clearer, let's think of it like this. If you think of ice and you think of water and you think of steam, all three are water in different states. Ice is water frozen. Running water is water liquid. Steam is water heated. The chemical component of water in all three states does not change. It is still H2O, that's my basic chemistry. 
hydrogen something and oxygen. I think that's, this, that's as far as I go. But what you realize, ladies and gentlemen, irrespective of the state of water, it is still water. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Bible says truth runs through all of them. The Bible says they are one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so when we're speaking about the Holy Spirit, the first thing we have to accept is that he is God. Now, let's see that in action, and then we will move on to, our, to the next point. So let's see. Turn in your Bibles, please, ladies and gentlemen, to Acts chapter 13, verse 2. Acts chapter 13, verse 2. And the Bible, I'll probably read from 1 for clarity. Acts chapter 13. And I'm going to read from verses 1 and 2. The, I'll read from verses 1 to 4. 1 to 4. The Bible says the following. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetra and Saul. Verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Verse 4. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed unto, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. So when the Holy Spirit was speaking about the divine assignment that God had given Paul, Saul, and Barnabas, he spoke in the first person. Now we realize it is God that gives a man an assignment. But when the Holy Spirit was giving his instructions, he spoke in the first person. And so you begin to realize that this indicates that he is God. He was saying, send them on the journey. I am sending them on I, that, to the work that I have called them. And so let's back that up and we'll close this out. Turning your Bibles, just to demonstrate that, listen, it's God that gives those assignments. But when the Holy Spirit was speaking about them, he spoke about them in the first person. Notice, please turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Jeremiah 1, chapters 4 and 5. And the Bible says the following, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Pause. So we realize this is God speaking to Jeremiah that this is what I've done. I've chosen your path. I've en enabled you and I've ordained you. So we realize that when the Holy Spirit is speaking, he speaks in the first person in that this is the assignment I've been sent. So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, as we understand it, are one. Okay? And so, ladies and gentlemen, the reason we're saying that is we, I want you to realize the Holy Spirit is God. That means you can trust him. 
and we'll we'll go into the more, more details but that's our foundational truth for tonight that the holy spirit is god and so that's one of the wonderful things so let's go on to the next point so let's go on to the next point the holy spirit is the greatest need that we have as human beings and as we break this down as we go through the bible ladies and gentlemen we've worked out that he's god now let's begin to see the impact of who he is in our lives now please turn in your bibles to luke chapter 11 and we're going to read from verses 1 we will stop at verse 13 but we'll pause along the way and so this is Jesus teaching about prayer. And, and the reason I was, I was quite pleased with this example is I would like you to also realize when it comes to your prayer life, ladies and gentlemen, it's one of the greatest gifts God has given you is the capacity for you to pray to him and he to answer. So let's look at what the scripture says, and we will bring it round to who the Holy Spirit is. I'll read from verse one. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when you pray, say our father. Now, if you, if you have a paper Bible, underline that. If you can highlight that, please do so. Remember, Jesus said, when you of starting your prayer life. We've spoken about this before, but if this is the first time you've heard it, he says, our father, you are coming to the father who loves you. Different sermon, different day, but this is what Jesus is saying. So let's keep, he says, our father. Then let's read on. Which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then he pauses. Now his disciple had asked him, teach us how to pray. So he teaches them, this is how I pray. And he, he lays that out. But he keeps speaking in verse 5. And the Bible says the following. And he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. Verse eight. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend. Yet, because of his importunity, and I'll break that down in a moment, because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. I'm going to pause there, ladies and gentlemen. The reason I'm going to pause there is the law of hospitality that held sway when this was written, was very strong. You will find, ladies and gentlemen, if you turn to Genesis chapter 18, once Abraham saw three strangers 
coming towards them, he literally constrains them not to go any further. So if you can turn in your Bibles to Genesis 18, verse 1, and the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. This is Abraham. And he lift up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Verse 4. Little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Verse 5. And I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. After that you shall pass on. For therefore are ye come to your servant, and they said, so do as thou hast said. Now, we realize that was the trigger that led Abraham into a wonderful expression and interaction with God. But notice, he stepped in between. He didn't know who it was. They were just three strangers. And so, ladies and gentlemen, this is the law of hospitality. You'll see it again, and just to drive it home, and then we'll come back to um, Luke 11. Turning your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4, and I want you to please start reading at verse 8. 2 Kings verse 4, and I'm going to read at verse 8, and the Bible says the following. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, and there was a great woman, that means she's rich and wealthy, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And the story goes on. And, and then it's wonderful. She decides to build him a house and it turns her life around. But that is the law of hospitality that ruled in Israel. Now, why am I telling you this? It, hopefully this gives you background to what Jesus is about to say about prayer. So please, ladies and gentlemen, come back with me to Luke chapter 11. And we'll pick up the narrative. Jesus said that if a man goes to his friend at midnight and says to his friend, I have a problem. A stranger has come. A friend of mine in his journey is come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Now, that in Israel was a crisis in that the law of hospitality required you to take care, housing, food and lodging for a stranger or one of your friends who was coming through your house. And it was literally a, a complete embarrassment for you not to have any food. So he's got up at midnight. His friend is there. He's run out to his other friend and said, look. This is the situation. I'm in a difficult position. I don't have anything to set before my friend who's come to my house on a long journey. And this is and what Jesus said is this. Let me now read to you verse 8. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend. 
Yet, because of his importunity, that means a situation that he cannot solve. The Bible says he will rise and give him as many as he needed. So Jesus is saying, listen, when you come to God, your father, when you come in the place of prayer, when you come and say to the Lord, Lord, I'm facing a challenge I cannot solve. I come to you because you are my friend. Yes, the Bible says the following. God will not give it to you just because you're his child, but because he clearly understands that you are in a situation you cannot solve yourself. Based upon that, the Bible says God will step into your matter and make a change. Now, I really pray that helps somebody's prayer life, especially if you're believing God for a miracle, that it's not so much that God's going to say, have you been good for the last 40 days? Have you fought? No, no, no. He's going to look down and say, you're in a situation you cannot solve. Because of that, I'm going to step in because we are in covenant or relationship. So let's read what Jesus says in verse 9. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Verse 10, for everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh it shall be opened. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus then goes, keeps going. He wants to make sure that you understand that when you come to the Father, you are coming to a benevolent God, a God who's on your side. Verse 11, Jesus ties the beginning of the prayer to what he says next. He says, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father. Remember how he said to start his prayers, our father. So ladies and gentlemen, I want you to realize what he's saying is, this is the nature of God the Father. When you come to God the Father in prayer, he is first your father, and then he knows what you're going through, based upon which he will grant you what you ask for. But let's keep reading. Remember that this is really an aside, but I hope it blesses somebody. Jesus says in verse 11, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? The answer is no. Then Jesus says, if you then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? How much more? Now, what he's saying is this. He's saying that, let me exemplify how far God will go with prayer, and he will do so, but he points to our greatest need. That means the greatest thing 
the whole that the Lord God can grant to you is, ladies and gentlemen, the person of the Holy Spirit. And he says, I will give him to you on the back of a prayer. And so what I want you to realize, he says two things. The first one is that your greatest need, that which you need the most, is the person of the Holy Spirit. And the, ministry, the personal ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life changes everything. Because if you think about it, ladies and gentlemen, when we look at the prayer, we realize that when the Holy Spirit, when, when, when the Holy Spirit is in your life, when he is in charge, things fundamentally change fundamentally change and so the second thing we're saying about the holy spirit is this that he is our greatest need the one person you should pray for and notice what the bible says about the holy spirit the bible says if you come to your father and you ask the father for the holy spirit the bible says he will give him to you because we realize that he is your greatest need. He's the one that makes the difference. And so I want to just clarify that before I go on to the next statement. Let's look at that as, let's look at that in detail. Please turn in your Bible to the book of Ezekiel. Chapter 36, and we will start reading from verse 25. Ezekiel 36, we will start reading from verse 25, and we will stop reading at verse 30, 25 to 30. The Bible says, and this is where the prophet Ezekiel is prophesying about the process of salvation, and it indicates the value and position of the Holy Spirit in that process of salvation. The Bible says the following, therefore say unto the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, I, uh, sorry, verse 25, I apologize. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean. And from all your, from all your filthiness and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. Verse 26, a new heart also I will give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. That speaks of us coming back to life through Jesus Christ. Verse 27, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. The result will be as following. Verse 28, and you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, 
and I will be your God. And then the Bible says, verse 29 to 30, I will also save you from all your uncleanness, and I will call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field that you shall, that ye shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. So we realize in the center, central part of our of God's building our relationship with him through Jesus Christ, the ministry of the Holy Spirit stands central. So he's our greatest need. Well, after we've given our lives to Christ, the next thing is the greatest need you have is the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, ladies and gentlemen, so let's look at where that sits in our relationship with God. And so please turn in your Bible to John chapter 14, and we are going to read verse 26. Where does the Holy Spirit sit? Remember what the Lord said, I'll put my spirit within you and I will cause you that I'll put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. That means through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Lord enables you to do everything that pleases him by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we realize the difference maker in our lives is the person of the Holy Spirit. Remember, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one, but the Holy Spirit, he's the one that is here right now, and he's making it all happen. So let's read what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. And then we will talk about him being a part of our relationship with God. If you're taking notes, please write this down. This is a simple definition of our relationship with God. Our relationship with God is through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me repeat that. Our relationship with God is through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's make that very, very clear before we go on. I'm going to um, turn to John chapter 14, verse 6, reading from the King James Version of the Bible. And the Bible says the following. We've read it once tonight. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So our relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. That means all the benefits that God has, all the good things that God has made available, we access them through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, there's no other way. There's no other way for a man to come to God except by me. That's what he says. That's I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But now let's also have a look at what he says. In John chapter 14, let's go to verse 26. John 14, verse 26. Jesus now says this about the Holy Spirit. 
but and I'm now going to read from the Amplified Classic version. But the comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things and he will cause you to recall, will remind you of, bring to your remembrance everything I have told you. And so ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to understand is this. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he comes as your helper. He's the one that enables. But look at the way Jesus broke it down. The word comforter, if you think of the of a comforter, for those of you that have seen pictures of shepherds, traditional pictures of shepherds, with a crook staff, whereby the staff has a loop on the top, that, that picture. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what a comforter is. What does the shepherd do with a crook staff? He reaches from where he is and pulls a sheep or a lamb closer to him. So when the Bible says the comforter, it is how the Lord draws us closer to himself. That's why he says that he's our comforter. Now, where else have we seen that? Um, If you look in... Psalm 23, so that we understand what comforter means. Psalm 23, and I'm going to read from verse 4 for the sake of time. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So what that means is, what will God do when you are going through the darkest season of your life? He will reassure you that he is present. So when the Bible says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, it means through your strength and through your caring nature as my shepherd, you will draw me close. And even though I'm going through a nightmare, Because you are present, I will be fine. And Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is the comforter. That means the Holy Spirit is the way God will be closer to you than ever before. I mean, you could imagine if Jesus Christ was here physically in Jerusalem, for us to be close to him, we would have to travel physically to Jerusalem. And we probably would because of all the miracles and wonderful things that happen. But what you also realize, Jesus said, the way that the Lord will ensure that you are he's close to you at all times is that the Holy Spirit will come to represent me and act on my behalf. So he comes, Jesus comes or God comes. Remember what we said? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one. So God comes in spirit form, and God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one. That means 
where you are right now, Jesus Christ and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit are right with you. And I pray that brings somebody some comfort. Comfort and reassurance that God is with you. So that's what the word comforter means. So let's go back to John chapter 14, verse 26. So the, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is our comforter. Through him, God will be close to us. He will demonstrate his person and presence. So let's read what, what else Jesus said as we lay this foundation. The Bible says, but the comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby. So he's your counselor. He's the one that gives you guidance. He is your helper. That means when you can't do something, he will help you. Intercessor, that means he literally prays and intercedes on your behalf between you and God so that there's a positive outcome. Advocate, somebody who argues your cases on your behalf in the positive. Strengthener, when you don't have the strength, the Holy Spirit will give you strength and he's your standby. Now that's the wonderful one. Standby means when you run out of power or ability, he will pick you up and he will carry you. And I pray whoever I'm speaking to, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm just pausing for a second. If somebody out there needs strength, I just pray that through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, strength is granted to you. The Bible keeps going, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit, and I'm sitting in John 14, 26, in the Amplified Classic Version, and he says, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf. We spoke about that last week. When the Holy Spirit comes, he comes in the name of Jesus. That means what Jesus has won on our behalf, what Jesus has been granted, what Jesus has had conferred on him, what Jesus has won in battle on our behalf, the Holy Spirit ministers that to you, okay? And so having the Holy Ghost there is a, is a great comfort. It's not a weak option. It means you, are, you have the highest level of advantage. And the Bible says the following about him, and this is wonderful. He will teach you all things. So our relationship with God, whatever I need to know or understand, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. So ladies and gentlemen, the Bible then says, and he will call you to recall, will remind you of, bring to your remembrance everything I have told you. So ladies and gentlemen, so pause for a moment. The Holy Spirit, who is, Jesus said, the spirit of truth. He's the one that will bring the Bible to life, especially when he's teaching you what to do in an unusual situation. Turning your Bibles, ladies and gentlemen, just so we understand, um, turn to John chapter 17, verse 17. John 17, verse 17. So remember, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit, keep this in mind, he's the spirit of truth. John 17, verse 17, 
sanctify them. Jesus is speaking. Sanctify them. That means equip, prepare, enable them to be what you want them to be. That's what the word sanctify means. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So ladies and gentlemen, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he's when God wants to communicate with you, when God wants to teach you something, the first place he's going to go is he's going to bring the word of God alive on your behalf. The word of God that you need so that you will be able to handle whatsoever you are confronted with. The Bible says he will bring to your remembrance everything that I have told you. Okay? Everything that I have told you. So keep that in mind. The next thing we want to keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, is as follows. So as we close, uh, we, I, I, we're, we're going to close out tonight speaking about the Holy Spirit. We've got a lot more to say. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. But what I want to, for the next two or three minutes, I want you to also remember what we said about our relationship with God, that it is through Jesus Christ, but then it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Please turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And Jesus says the following. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall, or ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus said, the difference maker in your walk with me is going to be the person of the Holy Spirit. Let me read that as we come to an end tonight. Let me read that in the Amplified Bible. Amplified Classic. Jesus, same verse, Acts 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends, the very bounds of the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, when the Holy Spirit comes, remember, he's the power of God. This is key. The Bible says when he comes into your life, you will receive power. That broken down is ability, efficiency, and might or capacity when the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what I wanted you to realize tonight as we, we've looked at the person of the Holy Spirit, as we've started to look at, we've looked at a couple of things. The first one, he's God. The second one, is that he's our greatest need and we receive him by prayer. We're going to look at that in more detail in one of the later weeks. We receive his presence by prayer. 
And the reason I want you to keep that in mind as you go into this week, ladies and gentlemen, is this. Jesus said there is no greater blessing that God can give you than the person of the Holy Spirit. And if he gives you him in prayer, then there's nothing that he will not give you as well. And so I pray. And the last thing we looked at was we, our relationship with God is through the enablement or the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, ladies and gentlemen, as you go into this week, um, we do apologize for starting late. So we're, we've only done 45 minutes, but that's absolutely fine. As you go into this week, the Holy Spirit will bring to life the word of God. He will cause you to remember whatever Jesus has said. He will ensure that you know in your most difficult and your most darkest place that God is present. And what he will also do is give you the necessary ability, efficiency and might, so that no matter what you are confronted with, the Lord will cause you to be victorious because he is present with you. We join our faith with everybody who believes in God for a miracle. We trust the Lord and we say in simple faith, that may God, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, fill where you are. May the miraculous power of God show up on your behalf tonight and going forward. And ladies and gentlemen, as you go into the word of God, may the Holy Spirit teach you clearly so that no problem you are facing will remain. May God bless you. God bless you, ladies and gentlemen. Once more, sincere apologies for coming on late. Um, it was one of those unavoidable things, and I sincerely apologize. God bless you, ladies and gentlemen. We will pick this up next week where we will look at the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives and how important that is through a few examples. Have a wonderful week, ladies and gentlemen. God bless you.